0: In this special series, AHLA leaders discuss key moments in their careers, current and future trends in health law, and AHLA's role in their professional development. Support for AHLA and this series is provided by HORN, which provides proactive guidance and strategies to enhance efficiency, improve patient experience, increase market share, and position you for greater success. HORN Healthcare serves over 600 clients across 31 states. For more information, visit hornllp.com.
1: So I want to welcome everyone today. This is Chip Hutzler with HORN, and I've got as my guest today, Sarah-Lisa Brow from McKesson. Sarah-Lisa is also a board member of AHLA, one of the newer board members, and I'm so glad you could join us, Sarah-Lisa. Welcome.
0: Thank you, Chip. Delighted to be here. Thanks for the invitation.
1: Well, absolutely appreciated. And I'm going to start out by asking you to tell me, how did you get into health law? Tell us how you got yourself going into health law. It's always an interesting story.
0: Yeah, and I appreciate the question. It's, you know, it wasn't a direct path, but in retrospect, all the pieces made sense. So I was someone who in college thought I was pre-med and considered that path for, for a couple of years and, and ultimately decided that my interests and talents <laughs> lay in a different direction, um, but always had that sort of foundational interest in, in healthcare and um, looking, to, looking to serve and um, you know, ended up going to being interested in economics and, and going to law school and, and graduated with an interest in antitrust law, which is how I started my career and found that as I worked at my first job after law school at McDermott, Will & Emory, the matters that I found sort of most interesting and that really most connected with me were antitrust matters sort of counseling and defending healthcare clients. And you know McDermott at the time and, and to this day has a, a very fine and, and nationally recognized healthcare practice that spun off really interesting work for uh, specialties like antitrust, and so found that, that that work and the people that I worked with just really resonated and kind of brought it all together. So over time, developed a specialty within a specialty, if you will, of sort of healthcare uh, antitrust, um, and that that was my you know my focus for for many years.
1: Well, that's great. Was there any particular people that inspired you along the way that kind of, um, you know, helped you or inspired you along and kind of what made them special?
0: There definitely were. Uh, I think we all have you know, mentors and friends and people who influence us at various points in our career. And, and I was lucky to have that too. And you know, I think certainly my, my first job out of law school just found and connected with a group of mentors and partners who you know, really brought me under their wing and helped introduce me to health law. Um, and they included uh, Christine White, who is a current board member of, of AHLA, who's a has been a, you know, a dear friend for, for many years. Um, and I, I worked for Chris as an associate <laughs> back in the day. Um, you know, other other folks at McDermott that I worked with included David Marks and, and Jim Sneed. Um, and they were all also very involved in AHLA and really first got me involved in the association as well uh, and ultimately had the opportunity to Um, publish a a book with um, David and and Chris, something that David and uh, Jim Sneed had initially sort of worked on. And then we had the opportunity to come in and work on a healthcare antitrust book uh, for AHLA. And that opportunity to work with them, be guided by them, be brought into AHLA AHLA by them, and ultimately sort of work on a, a really substantive publication together was a really formative part of my early career in particular.
1: Well, that's great. Was there any sort of one moment? I mean, that, that's an interesting moment working on that particular item. Was that maybe one of the moments that was pivotal in your decision to kind of stay with a health law career, or were you? Was there any moment where you sort of realized, "Hey, I know I'm doing the right thing. I found my calling."
0: Yeah, I, I think it. I think it was a, you know, a gradual process, but I think a, certainly a capstone sort of moment or point where I, that sort of validated that was working on a, a litigation that um, ultimately went to trial. It was a three-week jury trial, an antitrust litigation. And, and I think as, as many practitioners know, you know you generally try to avoid antitrust litigation <laughs> when you can. You try to avoid litigation generally when you can, um, especially antitrust, given the, uh, the expenses and fees and length and, and distraction to the business involved. Um, but this one actually went to trial. And was an incredible opportunity to to serve the client, to, to work with my team and to really get deep, you know, in into healthcare. We we represented a health system. And it was just, it was a fascinating process. It was a fascinating experience to to work with the client and really try to serve, you know, best serve their interests. And, you know, you really got to dig deep if you're, if you're going to, you know, represent someone in litigation and all the way through. Um, and, and going through that experience really cemented for me that yeah, this is it. This is so fascinating. I love it. <laughs> I love the people I'm working with. And this is this is where I really want to focus. Um and that that really to me sort of solidified it going forward.
1: Yeah, that's great. I mean, those are obviously very difficult trials in many ways. And um, you know, and uh and so it's great to kind of cut your teeth on an area where you know it's gonna be tooth and nail the whole way. Um what are some of the challenges you faced along the way? You know, kind of going through this, and and how did you tackle them?
0: I would say I found challenging at certain points in my career, sort of navigating that line between being a specialist who specializes, <laughs> um, and and what did that mean in terms of sort of career growth going forward? So I started out as, and, and still consider myself, an a an trust lawyer um, who then specialized in sort of healthcare and, you know, working with healthcare clients. And I think there were at times when I thought, am I specializing too much? Am I boxing myself in too much? Um, will this, you know, at some point sort of run its course? <laughs> um, and so I think at, at times I, I sort of questioned that and, and wondered, you know, whether whether that was a smart, you know, move, um, you know, but ultimately I think I found, you know, if you really, enjoy the work, if it's really engaging, if it's really intellectually substantive, if you really enjoy your colleagues and the larger community and network that you build through places like AHLA, what I found is that, you know, the specialization can become your calling card in the first instance, but there's so much opportunity within health law, especially to pivot and grow and to connect the dots with sort of adjacent areas that, it really isn't, you know, the limiter. You, you really can't think of it as sort of boxing yourself in. You know, really it's, you know, you bring a certain expertise to the table for your for your clients. Um, and, and then there's ways to build on that and to grow on that and to sort of bring in adjacencies and, and connect it together, um, which really sort of opens up the aperture and opens up the lens in terms of how you can think about what you can contribute um, and how you can connect and really sort of advance, um, you know, your clients' interests and your own sort of you know professional satisfaction, you know, in health law. So, so to me that was a challenge as to my way of thinking. Really, you know, specializing, subspecializing, but actually it can open doors rather than you know feel like you're you're closing them.
1: Yeah, I think that's a great point. I've always been somebody that wants to help people solve their problems, uh, whatever <laughs> yeah. problems they have. And um, while I may not be have tons of experience in the problem they've put in front of me, um, I I built my practice around helping people solve whatever problem they have and finding the people that, that can solve it or figuring out how to solve it if nobody knows. Um, yeah. So that's a great point and one that I think comes up a lot. So as a leader, you know, what have you learned that you would recommend to future kind of would-be health law leaders? What do you think uh, you would tell that somebody who's younger, who's saying I'm interested in kind of being like you?
0: <laughs> go for it, do it. I mean, health law is, is such a varied and interesting and rich in terms of experiences and, and satisfaction, you know, career path. Um, I would say go for it. Um, I think that, you know, again, just sort of picking up on that theme of, you know, specialization, I think that, you know, there, there are some paths of there's some, you know, terrific, you know, sort of generalists who, who know a lot and can counsel across the waterfront. And I have lots of respect for that. I think that, you know, given the complexity and the increasing, you know, ever increasing sort of regulations uh, applying to to clients in the, the healthcare and life sciences field, I think it can be hard to keep up with everything. Um, and there can be real satisfaction in going narrower in some areas and, and really specializing. Uh, and again, as, as I had learned over time that, by doing that, you don't necessarily foreclose, you know, options going forward, um, but it really lets you go deep and hopefully be really useful and really practical and really a solid counselor, you know, in, in a particular area. So I would say don't be, don't be afraid of specialization. There can be a lot of satisfaction and a lot of uh, value that you can deliver in doing that and yet still maintain flexibility for, for your career, you know, o- over time.
1: Well, that makes great sense. And I think I, I take that to heart myself. So I, I totally agree. So as a sort of a new leader on the board, I mean you've been a leader at HLA for a while, but as somebody who's new to the board and, and going to be doing that for a little while, um, where do you see HLA going? Health law going in the future. What's the future of health law?
0: Yeah. So the you know, there's the future of health law, and, the, and then the future of AHLA, and they are intertwined in, in many ways, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I think you know one thing that that I, you know, you know fundamentally see is the you know concerns with you know access to care and affordability of care, and these are not new. <laughs> this is something that um, you know the the industry and 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 stakeholders have been wrestling with for some time, but I think you know, coming out of COVID, hopefully, and seeing all that's impacted both the system and, you know, patients and, um, you know, providers, frankly, um, over the last few years, you know, really, to me, sort of underscores the question of, um, is financing healthcare through private employers, (laughs) you know, sustainable? Is that you know, really going to work and continue working going forward. Um, You know, as we have these ruptures and these strains put on the system in various different ways, um, does that reshape our thinking for what's sustainable going forward? And, you know, will a, you know, consensus emerge over time, because it has to, um, about, you know, inequalities in, in access, inequalities in affordability, and how can we make steps to take it in that direction? And I think there's some, you know, certainly positive examples coming out of COVID, you know, including the acceleration of telehealth, you know, as, as one means of enhancing access and, you know, other ways that, you know, regulations have, you know, folks have been creative with that to try to create space for, for access um, in, in times where that's been challenging or in places where that's been challenging. But I think there's a way to go there and and these sort of, you know, fundamental systemic Questions, I think, have only gotten more acute over the last few years. So, the solution to that, <laughs> and continuing to focus on that, you know, I see as being continuing questions sort of at the at the heart of, of health healthcare and health law, in particular, going forward.
1: Yeah, I think that's absolutely right, and um, it's interesting as I, I track regularly, of course, what you, you see as kind of the payer mix at various health systems and other entities that provide health care and particularly at hospitals it's it kind of was running maybe 60 percent private payers 40 percent government payers for a while and now it's kind of creeping more towards 50 50 and um and i wonder as you point that out wh- where the you know where the world's moving on that because you you know for a long time those commercial payers are funding in effect some things because they pay a little higher rate than the Government payers, and is it sustainable? I don't know, but um, you ask a, a great question. So, thinking now more from a personal perspective, what do you still want to accomplish at HLA? You're going to be still involved for a while and maybe even be on the board, as many former board members are staying well involved. What do you want to accomplish that you haven't accomplished yet?
0: Yeah. So I have the privilege of serving this year um, uh, under uh, our chair, our current chair, Joanne Lacks, on the membership, inclusion, diversity, and equity committee, um, which is which has been such an honor and, and a privilege to work with that group um, and, and the staff supporting it. And what I would like to do, you know, again, working with Diane and my, my fellow committee members in particular and the board is really to continue to advance the sort of inclusion piece of of AHLA. Um, And that goes deep in in many different directions. I think at AHLA, many of us who are longtime volunteers and longtime um, uh, members really, you know, treasure the collegiality of of AHLA. Um, And I think that's something we absolutely want and need to preserve. But I think in that umbrella of collegiality being very, focused and targeted and mindful of, you know, inclusion more broadly, um, you know, including, you know, beyond lawyers, you know, to other health law professionals um, and and identifying ways and identifying sort of homes and um, connection points for, you know, broad, diverse communities who feel like they have and do indeed have you know, equal access to opportunities, you know, equal sort of sense of inclusion, <laughs> the seat at the table. Um, and I think for, you know, AHLA has, to their great credit, has done a lot over the years to continue to, you know, advance that commitment. But I think we all recognize there is work to be done. And so it's a real privilege to to serve on, you know, one of the committees that's, you know, dedicated to helping advance that at the board level, you know, together with with our leadership. and I And I think that, you know, making material progress on that front, you know, you know, inclusion and equity sort of around all issues, both within the association, both outward facing in terms of the association's priorities, um, and also, you know, in terms of the you know professional membership that join AHLA, you know, is something that I would really like to, you know, continue to work on and continue to support and would like to see the organization continue to have, you know, success and growth in.
1: Uh, perfect. I mean, it's something I've been a little bit involved in myself over the years, and I think, It is an area that has had a lot of success, um, but they are not gonna rest on their laurels. And I think you've got the perfect attitude towards how to make sure that we continue that um, initiative and make sure it's as successful as it can be going forward because it's gonna pay dividends for the association down the road, no doubt in my mind. Uh, So it's great to have you on that front with those of us that are in favor of that. So now, let's talk about some fun stuff. You get to go to some fun places when you go to HLA events. You get to travel, probably even in your work, too, as I do. Um, what are your favorite places to visit along the way when you're working in your health law capacity or maybe even in your own personal <laughs> life? What do you like to go
0: yeah, well, certainly, uh, sort of in my health law capacity and and you know AHLA capacity, always always love going back to New York. I, I lived in New York for a number of years um, before before moving back to Washington D.C. where I'm from actually originally. Um, so always love going to going to New York um, and you know the energy and you know reliving my salad days too. You know. <laughs> I was younger and, uh, and single. Uh, um, no so one was more unhappy
1: than me that we couldn't go to New York last year. Uh,
0: yeah, exactly. Um, I know that was a, that was a disappointment for 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 many for many. Um, but I always, always love going back to New York um, yeah. and and, uh, and and Boston too. Many fond memories of some great LHLA annual meeting events, in particular in in Boston. You know, and then yep. you know, in my in my you know personal life, obviously haven't traveled as much the last couple of years, but it seems to be coming back with a roar now, which I suppose is good news. But yeah. I, um, you know, I went to law school at the University of Virginia in Charlottesville, Virginia, and that's only about a two and a half hour drive from, from the D.C. area where I am. And I, I just love going back to Charlottesville, too. It's just such a beautiful um, town um, and um, sort of the wide open spaces and, you um, you know, just just love love getting back love getting back there too when i when I can get down the road for a for a game or uh, just to spend some time you know hiking in the Blue Ridge or you know doing other fun activities. so so those are those are some of my favorite some of my favorite spots.
1: yeah, love 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 that town too. It's a great town and I didn't grow up too far from you, so we spent our time in Virginia from time to time. Do you have any uh, sort of walk-up music that you, you know, when Sarah <laughs> Lisa walks in the room, what song should be on everyone's mind?
0: You know, I... This
1: question came from somebody else. I can't take... It's, it's, a great,
0: it's a great question. <laughs> I, I would, I'm would, i going to shamelessly steal from um, Gerardo Pera, the um, Washington Nationals baseball player who, you know, back in 2019 when, when the Nats won the World Series and, and we were a big Nats fan in, in my family... You know, his walk-up song was "Baby Shark," and baby shark, right, the baby, baby shark. Thing. You know, da, da 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 da. You know, now we'll have an earworm the rest of the day thinking of baby shark. But that's, you know, that was I. I you know, a... have have some have you know three younger children, and so we, we know that song very well. But but what I loved about that is when you you know were in the stands, you know, at Nats at Nat stadium or, or watching the game, when he came up and his walk-on music played everybody got up and started dancing and wore their shark hats or had their t-shirts with the shark music. And so the walk-up song wasn't so much about him, but it was his music, you know, connecting with the fans, his music connecting with the team, his music sort of creating this sort of cultural moment that, you know, some would argue, I don't know if it's causation or correlation, but you know, the Nats won the world series that year. (laughs) I don't know that it was causation, but you know, his batting average certainly went up. Um, so, so I would, I would pick baby shark in the, in the hopes that, you know, that, that music would, right. you know, not only inspire me, but, you know, connect, connect with, you know, you know, my team and others to, to, to make it a fun moment and make it one that, you know, can carry us beyond just, just me at the plate <laughs> to, um to be, you know, a, a broader sort of it was like team must, moment.
1: It was like a must be in the stands moment. when he It really was.
0: Place. It was so, but just the <laughs> delight and the fun, you know, from this little, from this little YouTube song, you know, but it's it, it's amazing how you find those, those touchstones and, and whatever it may be, um, if it can, if it can, you know, connect in a broader way, it can be so powerful, right? Even these, even these little things. And it's just, so the fun and delight of it, you know, was, Perfect. was, was really, was really great. So again, I, I would, you know, shamelessly steal from, steal from him.
1: That's awesome. So for of the eight or nine of these I've done, that's gotta be the best one. <laughs> the best one so far. I love that one. Although we did somebody did the Darth Vader theme, but that's still, you
0: know. <laughs> oh, that is a good one it's too. It's pretty
1: good. It's pretty good. So um when they induct you into the Health Law Rockstar Hall of Fame, which they will, because everybody on the HLA board is going to be inducted into that at some point. Um, what's your plaque on the wall gonna say?
0: I hope my plaque says, I aspire to have my plaque say. <laughs> Teamwork makes the dream work. Yeah, because I, I really think that you know that the you know to get to that you know at, at this point in our careers we all are great counselors are are great hopefully you know very good at lawyering um, you know but to to really do that I think at a next level in a way that that has impact for our communities and and who we work with it's you know it's about you know connecting with your team it's the three c's it's 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 caring it's connecting it's culture and you do those things right you get that right and together you can achieve so much more and and that's something that i aspire to do in my career with with my teams um and and i would hope that that's that would be you know a a legacy or, or on my plaque that you know teamwork makes the dream work
1: perfect i think uh couldn't be a better legacy to be known for than than that and i imagine you will be um well sir lisa thanks so much for taking this time to be with me i really appreciate it it was fun to get to talk to you and hear some of your story and i really enjoyed it i appreciated your being here thanks for being with me
0: thanks jeff really appreciate the opportunity thank you for listening